Listeners and welcome to Cobb's Corner. I'm your host, Morgan Cobbs. Today's episode, we're going to do a review of Iron Man 2. This was the second Iron Man film and the third film in the MCU. This film further developed Tony Stark as a character and introduced us to Natasha Romanoff, played by Scarlett Johansson. This film also further developed Shield as an organization. We saw the return of Shield agent Coulson and Shield director Nick Fury. The main antagonists in this film are Justin Hammer of Hammer Technologies, played by Sam Rockwell and Ivan Vanko, played by Mickey Rourke. Ivan is the son of Anton Vanko, who was a colleague of Howard Stark, Tony Stark's father. Anton Vanko helped Howard create the Arc Reactor, which is the same device that is keeping Tony alive. Stay tuned. The film starts out picking up right where the first Iron Man left off with the press conference where Tony tells the world, I am Iron Man, and Anton Vanko in Russia who is a colleague of Howard Stark's and co-creator of the Arc Reactor. He, as he is dying, is, he's being taken care of by his son, Ivan Vanko, and tells Ivan, that should be you, and all I can give you is my knowledge. And then Anton Vanko dies, and Ivan Vanko swear vows revenge on the Stark family and starts building his own version of the Iron Man suit, his own version of the Arc Reactor. And it's almost a shot-for-shot remake of Tony Stark's building building of Mark I when he was in the cave in the first Iron Man movie. And we then cut to the title of Iron Man 2, followed by Tony Stark opening up the Stark Expo at Flushing Meadows in Queens, New York, and announcing a collective vision to leave behind a better future and kind of introducing one of the essential themes of this film which is legacy and leaving behind a better world for future generations he then shows a video of his father at the stark expo in 1974 and he shows everyone the city of the future city of tomorrow and as a formal welcome to the stark expo yeah and that's the video from 1974 bringing that into about 2010. The Expo's being covered by WHIH, which is the MCU's news source. It's the MCU's version of, like, CNN. And they show up periodically throughout the films. They're the main news station for Marvel films. After the Expo opening, Tony's issued a subpoena. He is to... He is to come before the Senate Armed Services Committee for a public court hearing about his use of the Iron Man suit, the Iron Man weapon, and an armed services they wish to have him turn it over to the U.S. government, to the American people. And so that's the premises for that hearing. And at this hearing, uh, Rhodey shows up, but not the same actor as the last film as the first iron man we instead have don Cheadle is recast as colonel james rose there's a little uh, meta joke about it when Brody shows up and it's you know don Cheadle. tony says didn't expect to see you here to which Brody responds it's me i'm here deal with it bit of a meta joke about how they recasted um the role of Brody, the don Cheadle for iron man 2 and all future uh, mcu films 
So Rhodey reads a specific paragraph taken out of context from his preliminary report that he did on Iron Man, saying how Iron Man does not operate with any branch within any branch of the U.S. government or the U.S. military. So therefore, he's a potential threat to the U.S. government. But he then went on to say that the benefits far outweigh the liabilities, the assets far outweigh the liabilities in having Iron Man remain an independent entity. This theme of government oversight will show up in a future film. I'm not going to say which one, but they're planting seeds for future films. And Justin Hammer, who's the main weapons contractor for the U.S. military, he shows up and he kind of puts in his two cents about how Iron Man should turn himself over to the U.S. government. And intelligence photos are released to the public of speculation of, uh, rep of attempts to replicate the Iron Man weapon in the Middle East and or in North Korea. But then Tony commandeers the screens and shows everyone the failed attempts to replicate the Iron Man suit in Iran and North Korea, even at Hammer Industries, Justin Hammer's company. <laughs> now, seeing a you know, test pilot who got injured. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, Tony's like, yeah, there's no grave threat. We're fine. I've successfully privatized world peace. You cannot have my armor, though. You cannot have my property, mine. So, yeah, Tony dismisses any threats, goes home, but then realizes that the palladium core that he has inside of his arc reactor the arc reactor in his chest is slowly seeping into his bloodstream. The continued use of the Iron Man suit is worsening his condition. He's running out of both time and options. The same device that's keeping him alive is also killing him. Right up under his nose. And Jarvis, who's the system AI that he has in his house, which stands for just a rather very intelligent system, has run simulations on all known elements and none serve as a viable replacement. Tony's running out of both time and options. He doesn't tell anybody. Um, Pepper shows up and he doesn't tell her. He instead makes her the CEO of Stark Industries and makes her the CEO. And then the notary who shows up to facilitate all the paperwork when Tony actually turns over his company to Pepper. Uh, we, she's introduced as Natalie Rushman, as a notary from the legal department of Stark Industries. But she'll be, calling, she'll be showing up later on in the film. And then Tony goes to the World Grand Prix in Monaco, where he has a car in the race. Justin Hammer has a car in the race. Roxanne, which is an energy conglomerate in the MCU, has a car in that race as well. But little did they know that Ivan Vanko who had been given a fake passport and fake papers putting him on the crew at the Monaco, at the Monaco, uh, the race in Monaco, that he's a part of the crew, and these fake, this fake identity had been given to him by the Ten Rings, the terrorist, or terrorist organization that was mentioned in the first Iron Man film, which we, we didn't know until years later that that was a member of the Ten Rings who handed him those papers. So he's on the crew, and, you know, he's got his own version of the arc reactor. He's got his own suit as 
although they don't say his name in the film, Whiplash, I think was his villain identity in the comics. And Tony, you know, because he figures, you know, he doesn't have that much time left and he's dying, he decides to race in the, he decides to actually drive the Stark car in the race. And then Ivan steps onto the track and with his electric whips starts slicing cars in half and then tries to slice Tony's car in half. Tony survives. They have a battle. You know, Tony gets the, I think the Mark IV Iron Man suit and which is like a suitcase that he has to like step into and like assemble and the battle ensues. Banco's apprehended. He's detained and he tells Tony that Tony's from a family of thieves and butcher, butchers that he has no idea the amount of lives that the Stark family has ruined and like all guilty men you know, he now tries to rewrite his own history and that if you can make God bleed people will cease to believe in him there will be blood in the water the sharks will come blade him in the chest very painful way to die so they have a little uh, dialogue Tony again kind of dismisses him you know tells him where will you be watching the world consume me from oh that's right a jail cell plus any bar soap and then he kind of just dips and when he gets home he actually does a deep dive does research on anton Banco, and finds out that ivan's father anton Banco, was a soviet era scientist who helped who defected to the united states and helped howard stark create the arc reactor but then anton Banco saw the arc reactor as a way of making money he just wanted to make money off of it and then when howard stark found out he had Banco deported back to back to siberia and then his son anton uh, ivan Banco, who was a physicist by trade he he was was raised in this environment he was raised by his father who had you know been deported and been written off by the stark family by stark industries and then he became a physicist and he served 15 years in prison for serving or um, selling uh, weapons to Pakistan. And for that newspaper clipping, they just used an actual photo of the actor Mickey Rourke, a younger Mickey Rourke, when he had gone to jail. And um, so now Tony knows what's what on Anton, on Anton Vanko and Ivan Vanko. But he still, again, figures, you know, Ivan's in jail. There's nothing you can really do now. But then through a coordinated effort by Justin Hammer, you know, Justin Hammer, he breaks Vanko out of prison and brings him back to Queens, to his, his shop in Queens, and helps. And he provides Vanko with the money and resources to make Iron Man look like an antique, to develop the hammer suits, and he wants to make Iron Man look, look like an antique. He wants to kind of uh wants to kind of destroy the legacy of iron man and so the two of them are now working together unbeknownst to tony unbeknownst to pepper Brody. so you know tony figures again at the same time tony is dying and he figures that he doesn't have that much time left so for his birthday party he invites a bunch of people into his house and you know he's drinking this is kind of a you know subtle nod to that whole demon in a bottle storyline from the comics and which is what this movie was supposed to be they were going to dive deeper into his struggles with alcoholism but then they decided to take a lighter tone just so 
they don't end up with like an R rating or they can keep it, you know, PG-13 and, you know, that sort of thing. And he's got an actual DJ, um, Goldstein, who shows up as himself in this film. Goldstein, who's a famous DJ who unfortunately died before the movie came out and did not actually get to see himself in the film. But, you know, he's got celebrity DJ, DJ in his birthday party. He's, you know, wearing the Iron Man suit. He's just blasting, you know, pretty much breaking up, breaking his house apart. And then eventually, Rhodey shows up to this party. And Rhodey commandeers the Mark II armor, tells Tony, stand down. He tells, tells all the guests, get out. Tells Tony, take that, take that suit off, shut it down. You don't deserve to wear one of those suits. You've been negligent. And so they have a brawl around Tony's house. And... Rhodey ends up with the armor, and he flies it over to Edwards Air Force Base, where they have the software analyzed, and they have it armed by Justin Hammer. You know, Justin Hammer. They give it. He gives it all of his. He gives all of his firepower to the warm to the war machine, as 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 he's now referred to. You know, with Air Force pilot Colonel James Rhodes in the suit, and meanwhile. Tony is found by, of course, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, who we saw in the post-credit scene of the first Iron Man film. He's found by, found by Nick Fury, and they sort of hide out in Randy's Donuts in Inglewood, California. I think it's Inglewood, the famous uh, Randy's Donuts. He says, like, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. They go inside, and, and uh, pretty much Nick Fury says, you know, Contrary to popular belief, you are not the center of my universe. I got bigger problems than you in the Southwest region to deal with. More on the Southwest region later. And they pretty much put Tony on, like, house arrest and end up giving him some of his father's old work, his father's old uh, stuff. And Nick Fury gives him the rundown on how Howard Stark was one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. and how he worked with Anton Vanko, and Vanko saw it as a means to make money and and how the uh, the arc reactor was supposed to be a precursor to a new arms race that was going to a new energy race that was going to dwarf the arms race he was going it was going to make the atomic bomb look like a triple a battery you know that's what the arc reactor was a stepping stone to it was unfinished technology and then as Tony goes through his father's old uh, videos, you know, B-roll footage from the Dark Expo video that he had back in 1974, he finds out that his father had hidden in the original, like, City of Tomorrow, the structure of a new element. The structure of a, of, of a new element. So Tony, what he does is he goes to Pepper Potts' office and sort of kind of apologizes to her for the way he's been acting without actually confessing that he's dying. He takes the... He takes the, uh... City of the, city of the Future, the actual physical plans, back to his house, although he's supposed to be on house arrest. He's not supposed to leave the premises. He's supposed to be being watched by Agent Coulson, who later gets transferred to New Mexico. And he then gets a... And then Tony... As he's working in the workshop, he creates a wireframe holographic um, projection of the 
of the 74 Stark Expo, City of the Future, and he then is able to look at the structure of how the how the of how everything was laid out and sort of rediscover a new a new element and he finds that this element is a viable replacement for palladium and then he goes back into hardware mode kind of you know, breaking apart his house and he's you know and then he has these like giant tubes that he's using to synthesize this new metal he synthesizes it into this like triangle that then that he then puts into his new arc reactor and he then gets a phone call from ivan vanko who we all thought was dead finds out vanko's alive and that he's been working with hammer and that hammer's making a presentation at the stark expo but tony rushes over to the expo and interrupts the presentation and then vanko takes over all the suits and starts firing at the uh the starts firing at the attendees and at tony he even has lock on the war machine suit so so Rody starts uh unintentionally firing at tony they take the they take the battle outside and they crash into this oracle dome where through the help of Natasha Romanoff, we now find out that Natalie Rushman from Legal was actually Natasha Romanoff, an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, due to her breaking in to Hammer Industries in Queens and and relinquishing control of the drones and of, uh, well, at least of the War Machine armor back to Rhodey. Two of them, they kind of make up. Tony says, you know, Rhodey says, I'm sorry, and Tony says, you know, I'm sorry, and they work together to fight off all of the hammer drones and then Ivan Vanko shows up in his drone in his in his uh suit but this time it's an actual like metal suit and with and with whips and then the two of them they work together to stop Vanko but then all the suits are rigged to blow everything blows up Tony finds Pepper they escape to a rooftop escape to a rooftop and everybody's uh, safe and sound the next scene we see well in the background you well you see a shield that a shield black site it looks like and in the background is news footage of the brawl between hulk and the military at culver university which you remember from the from the previous film the incredible hulk there was a there was a skirmish between hulk and U.S. Army at Culver University in Virginia. It happens around the same time of this film. And there's the... the Romanoff had done an Avengers Initiative preliminary report. This is the second time that we see, that we hear the word Avengers Initiative. Did a preliminary report on Tony and said that he doesn't play well with others. He's plays textbook narcissism. and They recommend Iron Man join the Avengers Initiative they don't recommend that Tony Stark join. Tony's were not recommended, but Iron Man is. And then Nick Fury explains that at this particular juncture, they only want to use him as a consultant. So he's used as a consultant. And to end off the film, uh, Stark and Rhodey are honored at a public uh, ceremony, and their, pre their presenter, none other than Senator Stern, who was the 
senator who had who had led the court proceedings against him in and on the Senate Senate Armed Services. There was this committee hearing. Senator Stern, who had said some, you know, who had said a few four-letter words about uh, Tony <laughs> on, on, on his way out of the uh, courtroom. And now he's got to present medals of honor to, 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 to not only to Colonel Rose, but also to Tony Stark. And yeah, Tony kind of ends the film as a team player, not as a solo superhero, but as a member of the team. And now the real reason why everybody sits through these films is for the post-credit scenes. And there's only one post-credit scene in this film, and it is, well, there's only one set of credits. There's usually two, set, two sets of credits. This film only has one set of credits. And after the credits, there's a scene where, remember, Coulson got sent to New Mexico. So we see Coulson driving through the desert, and he drives over to this giant crater in the ground... And he says, sir, we found it. And the camera pans over to this, to the crater, camera zooms out, and there's a hammer in the ground. That is a nod to our next film, which will be Thor. This film further develops the theme of legacy from the first Iron Man, only now as it applies to Tony Stark telling the world that he's Iron Man, but what does that mean now for him? You know, we know that he's Iron Man and that he has more responsibility to humanity and to society as a freedom fighter, as a hero, but what does you know that, that mean for him? What does he want his legacy to be? And having to deal with the sins of his father and Ivan Vanko also having to deal with the sins of his father. And and Ivan Vanko, no, his his father worked on the arc reactor as well, and him putting together his arc reactor, but he becomes the villain, despite his best efforts. I think he's the first of many uh, MCU villains who have justifiable motives. You know, I mean, Ivan Vanko, he followed in his father's footsteps, his father, who was a Soviet scientist who defected to the United States, but was then deported. And then, and then that whole environment that Ivan Vanko was, was raised in, he's a product of that environment. And having to sort of see, you know, in the West, you know, Howard Stark being praised for his inventions and Tony Stark also being praised for his inventions and then becoming Iron Man. And thinking that should be me, and then him sort of waging war on Stark and Stark's legacy, and you know going after his legacy and his image, and uh, so I think that that theme of legacy is very prevalent in this film, and also the theme of uh, I guess well not so much theme, but we get character development for Tony Stark. We get you know he is now he's now altered the arc reactor he has learned to work work better with others he starts to realize he can't save the world on his own and we were introduced to black widow you know, natasha romanoff we see happy hogan the bodyguard he shows up again so return of a lot of old old faces introduction of some new faces i think this film overall had and it was more of a stepping stone 
to future MCU films and dropping Easter eggs at future uh, projects that we will see in the coming episodes. And you know, that, you know that this film definitely accomplished a lot. You know, with juggling, dropping, dropping Easter eggs for future films, and also giving Iron Man character development, and also having a an antagonist who, you know, I think Sam Rockwell and Mickey Rourke they kind of showed up, did their thing as the villains. You know, although there were a lot of scenes that were cut, a lot of plot lines that were cut, and. Um, but in the end, in 2010, we got Iron Man 2. You know, overall, I think it was a pretty good film. Uh, let me know in the comments how uh, where Iron Man 2 ranks for you in your uh, in your I guess tiers of of MCU films. Do you think it's one of the better films? Do you think it's kind of middle of the road? Do you think it's one of the more underrated films? Do you think it's one of the worst films? Like, let me know where where it ranks. Let me know in, in, in the comments. And um, our next film will be will be Thor. This film will introduce Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, uh, Anthony Hopkins as Odin. It's going to introduce us to the location of Asgard. And we saw Thor's hammer in the post credit scene. So that will be our next film. Uh, before I wrap up this episode, just wanted to let everyone know this podcast is now available on Anchor, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. And in the coming weeks, we will be available on other platforms as well. And I'd like to officially announce that the uploading schedule, you will we will be uploading new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. on where, wherever you, you wherever you get your podcasts. Every Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, new episodes will be published. If I'm going to miss a week, I will let you guys know in advance. Don't forget to like this episode. Comment down below where Iron Man 2 fits in your MCU lineup. Don't forget to share, share this podcast if you liked it. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Really, really helps the podcast grow. Uh, follow me on Instagram at future underscore mechanical underscore engineer. Follow Cobb's Corner Podcast on Instagram at my last name, Cobb's, C-O-B-B-S underscore corner underscore podcast. To, so, so that way you know when, when our episodes are live and when our, when our episodes are uh, uploaded and finished. And don't forget to subscribe because we will be dropping a new episode every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. As always, I will talk to all of you in the next episode. Peace.